the average unit size that's rented is like 104 square feet. Yes. Um, so, you know, you're, you're going to want a lot of these units that are about that size uh, to you know address that need. Hello and welcome to Pillars of Wealth Creation, where we talk about creating financial success with a special focus on business and real estate. I'm your host, Todd Dexheimer. Now, let's get to it. Hello and welcome back to Pillars of Wealth Creation. I'm your host, Todd Dexheimer. With me, as always on these Wednesdays, we got Matt Jones. Matt, how are you doing today? I'm doing awesome. How about you, Todd? I'm doing great, man. It's been a while since we spoke. Um, we have been doing this series on just different multifamily asset classes, but you uh, ran off to Germany mm -hmm. and uh, and and had a little fun in Europe, Matt. Where, where did you, where'd you, you don't have to, don't give me the whole list, but where'd you guys go? What'd you do? Uh uh, I mean, you know, mostly all over Germany, but uh, also to a couple other countries as well as uh, Iceland what, for a few. What days. other countries? Oh, uh, Switzerland, Austria, and the Netherlands. Nice, nice. I've been to all those places. Just nice, nice places. Beautiful. A lot of fun stuff to do. Of course. Did you drink any beer? You know, they did have some beer, and I did drink it. Awesome, awesome. I've heard Germany has a few uh, beverages for people to drink. So mm -hmm. they cool. also have well, good wine. Yeah, they do have good wine too. And it's cheap wine, actually. They have a winery outside of Frankfurt called the Dexheimer Winery. Um, did you go there? No, unfortunately, I didn't make it. To... You should have visited. It's it's great wine. It's cheap. It's cheap. I mean, we. I think you can get like a, a nice bottle of wine. Now, inflation, of course, everywhere. But uh, when I was there last, just a couple of years ago, you could get a nice bottle of wine for like 4 or $5. It's amazing. So the same bottle of wine here would cost you like $25. Mm -hmm. It's crazy. Um, but my I've got a friend that uh, is from there, lives there. And he actually, when he comes to the US, the, he buys socks. Mm. Of all things, he buys socks because they get one pair of socks and it's like eight to $10 where you can get a whole bag of socks here for mm -hmm. <laughs> like $6. So wow. he's like, I come and buy socks. Okay, <laughs> I suppose. Anyways, random thoughts, uh, Matt. So what what are we gonna? We've been talking about these assets, different assets. Uh, um, you know, multifamily. We've covered uh, retail. We've covered multi, small multifamily, large multifamily, mid-sized multifamily, retail. Um, what are we gonna cover now? Self storage. Self storage. You know, it's uh, I, I I have liked self storage for a long time, but I also I have this kind of love hate uh, relationship with self storage, uh, or maybe this like a little bit nervous about self storage. But I've interviewed a lot of people that have done self storage, and and the more I hear about it, the more I kind of like it, and has really piqued my interest more and more about self storage. And we're actually looking for self storage. To potentially buy. Now we're not going to be syndicating the self-storage right away. We want to, if we're going to go in and self-storage, we're going to be, you know, learning about the asset class, making sure we fully understand it. So we'll put our own money at risk. And then eventually, if we like it, if we get the systems in place, if we feel very strongly about it, then we would start bringing it to our investors. But that's an asset class that we definitely are exploring. Um, one of the things I really like about self-storage is that you really don't have a lot of um, operational risks. And so I'll, I'll clarify that. We don't really have 
much for staffing needs. Uh, a lot of times we can run these zero staff or mostly in-house, right? Just a, just like somebody is kind of taking care of a few things here and there, a little bit of maintenance, but we don't have to have a big staffing, a big staff, right? So that is something that's very attractive. The other thing is we have tenants. We do have tenants, right? But we don't have people living there. Hopefully not. Um, yeah, hopefully <laughs> Right. We might have people living there. They're just not welcome there. Yeah. Um, but we, you know, they're, they're, it's not a daily use. Most people that have a self storage are there less than one time a month. They're barely, some, some people will literally set it and forget it and they might not be there for years. Um, and so we just don't have a lot of tenant interaction, which means we don't have, again, we can have drama, but we don't have as much typically drama, much damages by the tenants, all that kind of stuff. Now, it happens. Granted, like that stuff happens, but um, there's just less of that. So it's when you look at residential, even retail, office, and so on, there's just so much more tenant interaction. And so I guess by by saying all this, it's a very much easier to operate and manage business with less um, curveballs being thrown at you, which which is something that's very attractive. Yep, and that's fair. I think you know. Also, when you're looking at self storage, whether you're buying pre existing or you're building from scratch, you need to look at the the data of the local area. You know, uh, that's it, huge. Yeah, it's it's really data driven, fully data driven. Like you you look at like how many you know square feet of um, you know storage storage space is available right now in that area, and how much the population is, and then you can calculate what is needed or if it's overdeveloped uh, in that area. So supply and demand is a big thing in self storage, and that's one thing that's really kind of kept me a little bit at bay with self storage because it's so easy for somebody to build self storage. It, it the cost to build is not that high. It's literally concrete and walls and garage doors and a roof, and they're about done. Like it's almost as simple as that. Sure, you got to put some lights in, you got to do some other stuff, but it, it's pretty simple as far as what we do to build these things. And so it's really easy. We just need some land uh, and we need approval from the city. So I think that's another thing, too, is like, what's your municipality and how open are they to putting new self storage in? Are they, is it easy? Is it easy to get it passed? Because if it is, well, it might be that it gets overbuilt quickly. And there is overbuilding in self-storage. There is a lot of overbuilding in self-storage in certain areas. In other areas, they need a lot more of it, right? And so, yeah, Matt, you're right. Like study what's going on, study the metrics, figure out the data. There's, it's out there. It's easy to find or it's easy to buy. You can buy this data you know, and understand what's going on in your demographic, your, your area, right. And, and who's, who's going to be using self-storage. One of the other prop, maybe false beliefs that I had, um, and it's still a little bit worry about, but self-storage relies on people needing to store stuff. So this is the assumption that people have stuff to store. I look at myself we don't have a lot of stuff. I would never buy a self-storage or rent a self-storage. 
unless I needed to, which would be I'm moving and I have a temporary use for it, but it would be short term for me. So my worry was, well, the baby boomer generation, they're, no offense if you're a baby boomer, you're listening to this, but the baby boomer generation uh, it, it likes their stuff. And and they they are kind of hoarders. Uh, I just can look at a lot of the, you know, my, you know, just, just a lot of people I know uh, that are baby boomers. I'm not going to name any names, uh, but they have a lot of stuff. And a lot of them have self-storage uh, and that's where they're putting their stuff. Well, guess what? The baby boomers are. They're aging. That's an aging population. And, you know, the oldest baby boomers are in their mid seventies and the life expectancy of a person is in their mid seventies. And so what happens when these baby boomers die? Um, and so that was, that's my big concern. Now, when you look at it, first of all, the demographic, the baby boomers, that's, we still got a pretty good runway, right? We still got a pretty good runway of, of, of whether still alive. And what's going to happen with all their stuff when they die, it's probably going to stay in those self storages for a little while, at least maybe not, maybe not forever, but maybe a year or so. Um, but what I've learned more and more is that the younger generation is actually a huge captive audience, not because they have a lot of stuff, but because they like to move a lot and they go from city to city to area to area and they're moving. And so they, and they don't want a big place. Okay. So they are big users in the self-storage where I, I just wouldn't have thought of that because most people that are my age and younger, I feel just don't have all that much stuff. Um, but it's it, the, the data shows otherwise the data shows that, yeah, they might not have all this stuff, but they do have a couple big things potentially, or they just move a lot. And so they do need self-storage. So, Anyways. Yep. And for, you know, if you're building a self-storage or you're buying one in a residential area, the average unit size that's rented is like 104 square feet. Yes. Um, so, you know, you're, you're going to want a lot of these units that are about that size uh, to you know address that need. But if you're building in, in more of a business area, then you'll want bigger units and taller ones that can fill a lot more stuff for the businesses. Yeah, that's a great point is understand what your who your demographic is right if it's uh, like you said matt if it's a residential area and there's differences too between a residential area in uh, an urban kind of core so or urban or suburban core versus a residential area in a rural location too you know the rural location you're going to want more space for um for for probably bigger stuff for more of equipment stuff type things uh, that that's going to be valuable for, you know, boat storage and all that. Although in the city, in the urban core, that's probably still a, a pretty high demand. I know around us, Matt, there is a lot of demand for RV storage, for boat storage. I mean, Minnesota has the highest amount of boats per capita uh, in, in the entire U.S. Yet we only have a boating season that's like five months long. The lakes are frozen the rest of the time. So what do you think those boats are doing when they're not in the water? They're being stored. And people have garages that they can store them in, but a lot of people don't have a big enough garage where they can store their boat and their vehicles and all the other crap they might have. And so what do they do? They look for a place to store it. Same thing with campers. We have a high 
Uh, we're not the highest, but we are one of the higher uh, camper per um, per person too. So a lot of camper storage, a lot of, a lot of boat storage. Yep, I agree. So um, you just have to be aware of what the demographics are of the area. Look at the data to decide, like you know, what exactly is needed. You know, how big should I build the place? And then um, another thing to consider is an exit plan. Like you know, if you're going to hold on to this forever, that's fine. You don't need an exit plan per se. But uh, you know, generally, there's REITs that are are buying a bunch of these self storage units, and so. You know, if you you build it or develop a, a self storage um, in in a way that is going to make it attractive to REITs to buy, so you'll want like some kind of front facing office that sells boxes or whatever, you know, that sort of thing. That REITs really love that, um, and that way it makes it more attractive uh, for them. Yeah, and probably location matters a lot if you're oh. especially if you're planning for REITs, right? They're they're not going to want the. Well, I shouldn't say that necessarily, but like if you're buying in cities that have a population of 2000 people like those those can be very profitable self-storage facilities and you can do really well but is a REIT going to want to buy them probably not so you're likely going to want to be more closer to that urban core um with you know within a, a short drive at least attracting the urban core population and you're going to want a a good size too and I, i'm not well versed matt i don't know if you are in, in what REITs are looking for but just knowing REITs in general, they probably want a nice size facility. They're not going to want a facility that has, you know, let's call it 50 uh, garages or 30 garages. They're probably going to want something that has 100 plus, maybe even a lot more. I'm not sure. But they they, they want bigger facilities because that, that helps their operational efficiency. And they want them, they, if you do have small especially, they want them very close to each other. But even with the big, if you're going to sell a portfolio, uh, you want them geographically located uh, to be an to be an advantage too. And you want a good you know variation of unit size as well to address the various needs that uh, tenants will have. Um, you know, I, uh, one of the chapters in my book is about self-storage, but, uh, I mean, there's some years ago that I wrote that, so I don't remember every single detail, but I do lay it out, um, you know, you know, what exactly REITs are looking for. And, and so you can fine tune what you're doing with your self-storage to, uh, you know, have that good exit plan to sell to them. Yeah. 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 I, you know, it's, again, it's, um, an asset class I think is definitely, evolving, continue to evolve. Technology can play a big role in your success with self-storage, which I do. I, I really like the fact that we can clean up a lot of things with technology. Now, it's still a physical asset, so you still have a physical building. Technology can't take over. But when when you look at the opportunity, in my opinion, it's still, well, here's here's what's cool about uh, self-storage and you know some some other asset classes that will cover but when you look at retail and office especially those are very dominated by the REIT and, and the REITs so and you look at multifamily it's really gotten heavily saturated by the REITs and so the competition is so much more fierce which is good because I know I can sell at a high cap rate or a low cap rate I mean um, so a high price um, it's good because the industry in, in those industries have become a lot more streamlined, right? There's less mom and pa's out there. 
but that's bad as a buyer if I'm looking to buy some really good value where self-storage, there definitely are rates in it, but it's less, right? It's it's a newer kind of asset class for that purpose. And so there's a lot more opportunity to buy these mom-and-pop businesses that are you know self-storage. They maybe go there every day. They maybe have an office that they go to every single day at this self-storage uh, location. And you can implement some technology into this. And maybe you no longer have to have somebody there, maybe ever. If you implement the right technology, if you put in uh, gate systems, um, maybe it's easy to expand. And so there's a lot of opportunities for improvement for value add that really isn't going to be super capital intensive up front, right? We're, we're not renovating full units. We're not putting in new kitchens and granite countertops and tile backsplashes and you know all that kind of stuff. We're implementing technology and putting in new systems and putting in new fencing and maybe some signage and some landscaping and and maybe we're adding square footage. But those are, for the most part, fairly cheap things. Adding the square footage is obviously pretty expensive, but uh, everything else is fairly inexpensive, Matt, to be able to improve the asset. Oh yeah, you can put a QR code right there in the front, and people would scan that and, and sign up for their self storage unit right then and there uh, without uh, you needing to be there to sell it to them. Yeah, it's something that you don't have to have a leasing agent in. You know, we talk about multifamily, and, and one thing a lot of people want to do and can be successful in, but it, I think you lose a lot of your prospective tenants. Is like, oh, we want. We want to be able to do our multifamily with technology. We we can do virtual leases or virtual yeah you know, virtual leases, virtual tours, all this kind of stuff. But it, I think that physical meeting with the on-site staff or with the leasing agent is still super valuable. Where self storage, do you really care what the inside of that five by ten box looks like? No. As long, really. as long as it's there to clean and I can put my stuff in, that's all, that's really exactly. all. Exactly. And and if I got a website I can click to and I, oh, you, by the way, you're going to show me some nice pictures or you got a matter report, matter report um, that I can go boom, boom, boom. Oh, I can walk through the area. Oh, this looks clean. Nice. Great. I'm done. Like, I don't need to physically go there and tour and go, oh, wow, this garage door is really nice. Uh, ooh, I, I really love the interior of this unit. It's the boy, this concrete is flat. Like, no, you're not, you're not doing that. Right. So it's easy to rent online, which, which I love. Yep. Yes, indeed. Cool. Well, I, um, is there anything else you can think of about self-storage? I mean, I, I don't invest in it right now, so I'm certainly not an expert. Um, but, uh, there are plenty of good books that are written about it. Um, so, I don't think it's brain surgery to get into it by any means. Yeah, I think uh, you know. Look, if you like self storage, obviously do your homework, do do the due diligence. Like Matt said, there's there's books, there's podcasts out there that teach you about self storage. Start learning how to do it. Um, it's you know, it's about any. It's like any asset class. You got to find something that cash flows, that's well located, that that fits the fits what you're looking for, and. And eventually pull the trigger. I think one of the uh, one thing I'll, I'll mention too, Matt, that we didn't talk about is the financing. Mm. There's financing options out, out there that are actually pretty attractive. So you can get SBA loans 
uh, for self-storage. So you can come in with a fairly nice size or fairly small down payment, uh, 15, 20% down payment with the SBAs. There's also a lot of opportunities with these mom paws for seller financing too. A lot of people that I talk to get seller financing or at least a seller carry and, uh, and, and can get into the self-storage for, you know, maybe as low as like a 10% down payment. So, um, that's, that's a big advantage too. If you're, if you're able to get in for less money, obviously, um, especially when you're first starting out the, you know, most people don't have a ton of money when they're first starting this. So I think that's, that's an advantage too. Uh, and good cash flow, very good cash flow. So. Well, and then as well, you know, it tends to be, as long as it's well located, it tends to be recession resistant. You know, people are storing their stuff for different reasons uh, during a recession versus when the economy is good, but it's still going to have a high occupancy, you know, throughout the market cycles. Yeah. We keep on adding more things. I'm going to add one more. One more thing that I really like about the, or, the government is getting more involved in multifamily is, you know, because rents are becoming more uh, out of reach for people. And so there's a real affordability issue and, and that's reality. That is just reality. And so more and more legislators are trying to enact rent control, um, just just more things, right, uh, to get into your business. So not that they're necessarily all bad things, but they do restrict how you can run your business. And self-storage is not a necessity where a lot of people say housing is a necessity. And, you know, I, I, people need a place to live, right? So, you know, it's, it's I, I don't like, uh, you know, having a, a big homeless population, just like probably nobody likes having a big homeless population. We all want people to have a place to live, but people don't need a place to store their stuff. You know, people don't need a bunch of stuff. If you have a bunch of stuff, it probably means you have money because you have the stuff. So if you have a home, right? If housing is a basic necessity and the, and the government steps in and provides everybody free housing, um, which I don't think is going to happen, but but anyways, um, you know, you do need, does the government need to step in and provide everybody a free self-storage place? No. So the government's not going to be nearly as involved in the, in the happenings of self-storage. Um, and I don't think, so I don't think that's nearly as much of a threat to change your business and your business plan as it is in multifamily. I think in multifamily, if you've got a business plan, there is a risk that the government can step in and make some mandates that it ultimately changes your business plan or doesn't allow you to execute it. So um, that that I think is, is a reality of, of uh, multifamily versus self-storage. Yeah, self-storage is not going to have eviction moratoriums or rent control or whatever. It's, you know, you charge what you, you know you want to charge and, and what makes sense at the time. And literally you put a new lock on the door that goes over their old lock and they have to pay you in order to get their stuff. And that's it. Yep. And so it's like super easy to get get somebody out. So well, cool. That's that's all I got. I'm sure there's other benefits and and uh, some negatives, but you know, go out there, do your research. If self storage is something you want to do, um, go and do your research and and uh, make that decision yourself. Sounds good. Awesome, Matt. You have a fantastic rest of the day. Make every day Saturday. Thanks. You too.
Hey, thanks so much for listening. I appreciate you being a loyal listener. Say, I would love to have you go on to our Facebook page and subscribe. Uh, give us a thumbs up. Go on to iTunes or wherever you listen and give us a rating and review. Don't forget to subscribe. Your rating review just helps us push this out to more and more people and continue to grow our audience and hopefully positively affect a ton of people out there that really need this and, and want this. So uh, the other thing I've got for you is a free ebook on my website. So go on to VentureDProperties.com, VentureDProperties.com and download our free ebook uh, on real estate and on syndication. And I've got some data points in there, some really good stuff for you. So I'd love to have you take a look at that. It's free. I'm not expecting anything from it. Uh, and, and also look, if you want some help in multifamily, want some help learning, growing, getting your business off the ground, I would love to talk to you about what it would look like uh, to work with me potentially and see if that's a good fit. So you can go to coachwithdex.com and check that out and uh, we can definitely have a, uh, a call. Thanks a lot for listening. You make it a fantastic rest of the day. I'll catch you on the next episode.